Hello, and we have returned soccer to the maxes back, and we are talking about the first game of three for World Cup qualifying on CONCACAF style, of course. I am your host, Sean Garmer, and here with me, as always, Mr. Eric Watkins. Ah, just when everybody on Facebook and stuff thought that they were going to get rid of me that easy, I told you I would be coming back! It's been a bit of a long night for them, so do apologize. Yeah, I'd imagine so at this point. Uh, with, you know, you doing your, your game show, of course, and you brought back the point of viewer. Uh, you still have, I'm a, wow, I mean, <laughs> Eric has got now like four shows going on. Uh, I don't know how you're going to keep a schedule with all that. That's, that's oh, a and, lot. And I got a neat curveball because come March, everything's going to be shuffled around. So stay tuned for that uh. one. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least in that in that respect, the football season will be completely over. But you still have USFL, so I guess whatever y'all are gonna do with that, which I'm sure you you covered that as well. Um, so yes, we are going to be talking about the U.S. men's national teams one nil win over El Salvador here. There is, um, I guess, some things to talk about. They at least the number one word for me is consistency. At least they always find a way to win in the same way. Uh, with a goal in the second half, uh, this team just seems to, that, that's what they are. They are a second half team. Greg Berhalter makes some adjustments. He sees the lay of the land and then makes it happen. To be fair, they did have a couple of chances in the first half that they should have, should have, um, been delivered on. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, of course, we're also going to go around the rest of CONCACAF with some very interesting results, especially a huge one in the final game. Uh, that now makes not only their game more important, it breeds a little bit of life back into the proceedings uh, because we thought it was going to be, ah, we're just battling to figure out who the heck is going to be the top, who in the top four is going to place. But now there's actually one team that has uh, given themselves a fighting shot while the other three are pretty much almost done and dusted. And Panama has a shot to basically destroy the hopes of the final team that really has an opportunity, um, honestly, if they're able to redeem themselves from what happened here. But let's uh, let's start out with discussing the, the U.S. men's national team side of things. Obviously, it's probably what most people care about when they're uh, coming to look at and listen to us at all here, Eric. A goal that uh, very similar to the one that he scored against Honduras, almost around the same time. I think about a couple of minutes difference. Very early in the second half. Anthony Robinson receives a header from Jesus Ferreira that skips through Christian Pulisic and I think Timothy Weah as well, and then finds the foot of Anthony Robinson, who, to his credit, had been having a pretty good game by then. He goes on and solidifies that more again on uh, by having some opportunities that force some saves out of the goalkeeper, um, and then also just being a force going up and down uh, that left side. We'll talk about more about him later, but what did you think about the decision to start Jesus Ferreira instead of starting a Ricardo Pepe that, you know, everybody's been talking about that has been, you know, he moves to Augsburg. We haven't done a show to really discuss that Pepe moving from Dallas to FC Augsburg, which now are, are in a relegation fight there in Bundesliga. He has not done a whole lot, to be fair. I mean, it's not like Augsburg is a team that gives you a lot of chances to score. He has to learn to make the most of what he has. And 
but he, he you know, Ferreira also plays a different game than Pepe. So what did you see? Out of, do, do you see his performance as positive? I know we're going to think about those two misses that he had, but I, I feel like there was more bright spots than that. Yeah. Even with the misses, I mean, Burhalter kind of had this mentality. It's like, you know what? We've already got a little bit of advantage with the weather, with the atmosphere. We were already down and dirty with El Salvador once. Tried to keep in sort of that same mindset. It didn't entirely come to fruition in the first half, but I really didn't see any problems from Ferreira in particular. Now, as a team, yeah, there were a lot of things that they eventually did clean up, but it sort of fit with, okay grind this out, do a little bit more work, send that message, make El Salvador go up and try to defend closer in the box, and that's what they had to do, especially in the first half. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think for the most part, El Salvador did a uh, good job of like staying compact and mm-hmm. uh, being important there. And then also just they were not really letting the U.S. do too much, but they were also, because of that pressing, they were leaving space in behind, which that's what Tim Weah was taking advantage of there on the right side. It was a lot of Sergio Dust to Tim Weah and then getting things going that way. And then on in the second half, they kind of seemed to change it to more of Pulisic and uh, Anthony Robinson working on the left side. And then, of course, that moving in Ferreira and everything else. I am all for uh, what's happening on on that end, I just think that we saw it, and I think we see it more in this chance that doesn't taking away the the two from Fededa, which the first one I think was difficult. He makes a move to actually make himself viable. Mm-hmm. He is not able to get it. The second one that was that's on him. You got to hit it with the other foot yep. and make that work and put that in, and he just doesn't. I was uh, aside from that, I think the the one in the thirty four the for the 4-1, 41st minute uh, with Pulisic, you can clearly see that Tim Weah wants that ball first time quick, and Pulisic just holds onto the ball and then keeps it going, and then he has to rely on Anthony Robinson to make the cross. And by then, it's too late for Weah, and it's it, it doesn't work out as much as you'd want him to. And I think that's something that we see a little bit too much here of Plosis. I mean, I think he's got this mindset of, okay, well, I'm not at Chelsea. I don't have to be passive to anyone. I'm Christian Pulisic. I'm I'm the 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 guy of this team. You know, I've got to do more than I really have to. And I wonder if that gets him a little bit, Eric, because yeah, yeah, it it just feels like he's he tries to do too much. Yeah, and when you have got someone like he's developed this reputation here as, you know, the wunderkind, the savior, you think whenever you're donning those national colors, it plays in. So it's just like you don't let that game really come to you. And I'm glad that you had mentioned that chance with Wea because that was one of the few times to where El Salvador defensively was caught a little bit off guard. Right. That quick pass, Wea has it, lethal in front of goal. You've got one nil going into the break, but he's looking around and it's like, okay, I don't have X, Y, Z around me like I do in Chelsea. I don't have these defenders in the Premier League where, oh, I can figure out no other moves this and that. It's like, okay, 
I'm me. What do I do to really overcreate in a sense? And and that's going to be a bit tough to shake. It's doable, but I don't know necessarily how. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I wonder sometimes if he is a better super sub mm-hmm. at times for the team than say someone that's there from the start and then because it it seems like they play much more freely. They kind of have a better understanding of each other when Aronson is in there. Mm-hmm. Then let's say where Pulis is in there because you have this this person that you feel like you have to deflect to like you have to give the ball to in a way and you have to get involved whereas the rest of you know perhaps when he's not in there it's more of a okay well the midfield can do what they do you get it over to whoever's up front or on on the wings with the fullbacks and they get things going because the fullbacks really are what drive this team as it does a lot of teams of soccer at this point the fullbacks are such a focal point uh for soccer period but Anthony Robinson and Gino Dest really were uh, vital parts of this game. Hopefully Dest is okay. It seemed like he kind of came up injured in the last little bit there uh, before the game ended. But I don't know. Would you say it's more El Sauer didn't do enough? Or would you say that there's some credit to be given to the defense here in this game? Because they really only had one opportunity, the Alex Rodon chance in about the 28th minute where he shoots it of Matt Turner's goal. I think they had that other one with the header and like the 84, but that really didn't even get close. Mm-mm. I mean, while our defense was solid, it almost seemed like, especially up until that goal, El Salvador was really playing for something like a nil-nil because it's like, we're going to be okay. We're going to sit back, as you mentioned, going to be compact. Mm-hmm. They're not taking advantage of their opportunity. So if we maybe get something on just like a quick counter, maybe go ahead and create something wide of our own, or maybe route one even, we can go ahead and steal it, but we can't let them score at all. And it worked until it didn't. And even after that, El Salvador, they couldn't switch and be like, okay, maybe we got to press a little bit higher. Maybe we got to get generating a bit more in midfield. It was just very lackluster. Yeah, definitely. And it was like you're saying, they're sitting there trying to see if they can get a point out of this game. It's not a game mm-hmm. that they're expecting to get much out of. Um, it's unfortunate for them, right? That unless all the teams underneath them were able to beat the teams above them, the hole that they were going to create was going to be even bigger. And only one of those teams was able to accomplish their goal. And unfortunately, it was probably the one that they wanted did to happen for the least. Because they had the most points going in, mm-hmm. so this wasn't helpful to anything. They needed a they needed Jamaica to get a draw or a win. They needed Honduras to actually come out and play, and neither neither of those things happened. Jamaica almost got it. Jamaica almost got it, but a uh, three minute window late for them was was not helpful. We'll talk about that more. Unfortunately, this was not a game that I think El Salvador that knew. As much as Hugo Perez wanted to talk up that they were gonna, they really were gonna bring an effort. Again, they defended well. They they had their. They didn't really have any moments where you were worried, honestly, as the Eastman's national team fan. But at least they kept it from being a blowout. And mm-hmm. when you look at it on the other side, 
would you say that this is one of those, it's a missed opportunity for the U.S. of saying, you know what your quality of opposition is. Shouldn't you have taken it to them more? Very or is it so. one of those where, well, you kind of dominated in a sense. Yeah, you had more of the opportunity. Um, you know, you had the Musa, the, the Musa hit that didn't, they got, uh, saved. You had the header from McKinney that went over. Um, you had the, the two Robinson miss, you know, saves. You had a few others. Is that enough or, or should, should you really be getting at this team for not scoring more, doing more? This easily, very easily could have been three, four nil. In the second half, it was playing more like, okay, the ball bounces a little bit funny. You do have some of those missed chances. I'm willing to forgive in a way because you were showing and motivating like you were pushing and attacking. Yes, you were doing that in the first half as well, but once you got in that final third, it was sloppy. And one of the big stats that they had mentioned and you noted, it was not just the eight shots, but none on goal, but leading right. up to those chances, 15 cross attempts, you only complete three. Three. Against a better quality team, one of those 12 is going to be a goal or at least a couple half chances. Then you're changing the game. You go ahead, you convert that with more efficiency, make those right cutting moves and getting yourself open more even in front of the six-yard box. Get that goal, get to make El Salvador change plans, and then you can run riot in the second half. I get the consistency being a second-half team, fine, but at some point, it's going to bite you. And I can't give too much credit for the win because it should have been worse. Yeah, as a a fan of the team, you're wanting them to do more against what is you would... Look, everybody that makes the octagonal... is good in a way, but they are definitely lesser opposition when you're, when you're looking at the ones that you're sharing the top of the table with. Mm-hmm. You definitely want to have that game where you were dominant. You're wanting to have that game where you're showing we are the international team. We we want to give that opportunity to be able to show you that we're not going to be messing around. And it just feels the same way of, well, this is another Greg Burhalter. U.S. Business team performance, they go out there, they sort of have some moments in the first half. They were lucky that it wasn't like the Jamaica game where El Salvador was not out there trying to injure people or or having a big star like Mikel Antonio that can get you a goal out of nothing like what happened in Jamaica. So, you know, the, the, if you go back to that game, there's opportunities where, yeah, Jamaica could have got a red card, but there's also opportunities where if you call some things against the U.S. or or uh, Cordova Reed hits that goal right, that uh, shot right in front. You're looking at perhaps a Jamaica upset, mm-hmm. you know. But El Salvador never gave you that fear, and instead of turning that on and being aggressive, they don't really do that. They had that little bit of spell right after the goal, but after that, it was kind of like, all right, cruise control. Yeah, and if you pack it, you don't want to see them of, do that. No, you don't, because when you see that packing unit, it's like, okay, you know. Everybody in the box, Anthony Robinson was right place, right time. But what happened? Wea was taking it in from making charge. You had your players step up. Everybody going forward, pushing. Because you knew El Salvador, you could break them down at some point. Getting that and somewhat ugly goal with the various deflection stuff, that would be like, okay, we know we can get them. We know 
we have these ways of breaking them down. Why didn't they do that more? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't know what that uh, mentality is. Was it Berhalter just kind of saying, look, we got the goal that we needed. Uh, they're not really pushing it against us. We don't have any clear openings to just go counterattack at them. Not that they didn't try or anything, but it's just like things just didn't work out for the team. I, I do think that, again, you saw positives. Uh, Tim Weah was, again, very positive there on the right side. Uh, you had, again, uh, Anthony Robinson was the man of the match for me. Other than the goal, he had his opportunities going forward and had, you know, forced some of those those saves and, and also had some, you know, interesting crosses and didn't work out necessarily. But you had, uh, I thought, Ferreira had his moments as well, aside from the two created chances. He definitely has a place in the team. I think he perhaps oh, more, as a, more as the number 10 or playmaker that you see him play with Dallas as the second striker, not necessarily as the lead uh, striker, which I'm still contending that Berhalter is not sending in the kind of strikers that you really want to see. Uh, now, to be fair to Josh Chardon, he scored those goals with Norwich right after they'd already announced the team. So I don't think he would have changed that. And don't know if Daryl DK has really been able to do a whole lot with West Brom. But for me, I just don't understand this mentality of, I get why you're bringing in Pepe. I get why you're bringing in Ferreira. I kind of I kind of get the whole Jossie Sardis is your guy. But the still not bringing in Jordan Peefalk thing, this doesn't make mm -mm. sense to me. You always should have somebody that is a poacher. You should always have somebody that just has that eye for goal. The guy that will be there to hit it with his head, to be there to hit it with his chest and the goal, whatever you need him to do. And he is that guy, that guy that kind of, that he'll get you a goal out of, out of nothing. That's just a scrap, you know, like you need a defender or a, a forward in that vein. And it's weird that he just, I don't know if it's the COVID thing. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the fact that it, it, you know, he's coming from Europe and I guess he was still trying to have a lot of it being based in uh, the United States a lot, but it's just weird to me. It's like, I oh. get that maybe he didn't have the best showing the last time you saw him, but he's been scoring goals. Of this course. Isn't like, this isn't like John Anthony Brooks where we can keep making this argument about, well, they should bring him in. He's still the best guy that with the with the ball at his feet and all that other stuff. He's kind of doing better for Wolfsburg, but where's Wolfsburg at? They're still at the bottom of the table. It's not like, you know, his defending is really doing a whole lot for Wolfsburg right now. I just... And the defense is not the problem for the United States. Moment. Yeah. Well, how it's many, up front. How many times have we said all throughout this qualifying cycle, all throughout the octagonal, who's our number nine? Who's our number nine? Who's our number nine? We've given all these guys chances. Why not, P-Folk? And you say it yourself. In CONCACAF, up front, you got to scrap. How did we get this goal tonight? Scrap. How have we been getting a lot of these second-half opportunity things that we have in these matches. Scrap, scrap, scrap. Right place, right time, right touch. Because sometimes it's all you're going to get. YP folk who is proven to be that right place, right time, right touch kind of guy. Not getting these. I'm with you. I question that. He's the guy that has the most goals of the all the United States strikers. 
uh, in the calendar year of 2021. So it's like, does that stuff not matter? I mean, is that is that not what you look at outside of the whole, okay, well, now I just have my guys and only a few of them are going to move the needle to make me change or not. I will give him a lot of credit. He sat Ricardo Pepe today, mm-hmm. who has not been playing well. He's adjusting to playing now in Germany. And I give him a lot of credit for sitting him. Now, I don't know if that's the idea of I sat him in this game to play him in Canada or I sat him so that maybe he'll get some kind of hunger to want to do something because he hasn't done anything since the last time he scored for the United States, uh, whether it was for FC Dallas, whether whether it's for Osberg right now or, you know, the U.S. He's gone cold. How does he react from that and change? Now, I think it's kind of weird if we don't see him in, in either one of these games that are left, either Honduras or, or Canada. I don't know what Greg's thinking is right now, but I just, I don't under, I'm glad that he kind of found a, a, somebody he likes in his or whatever that works for bringing you a different kind of striker. But I still feel like you're missing yeah. that guy up front that is strong, physical, that will get you a goal when you really, really need it. I mean, like a Lukaku, like we have in, in various other teams, clubs in the world that is, I think you got to use your strengths there. Yeah, and for something like this, knowing Burhalter's previous strategy, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Pepe up front in Hamilton against the Reds. On the concrete that they're going to be playing on, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you talk about, you know, the frozen tundra. You're across the border. It's a true great right north with all this Arctic air. I mean, yeah. realistically, I would like to see him more just against Honduras, but... We know what Burhalter's thinking. Maybe in that sort of Get, environment, yeah. that will help pump him up, and then he can go back to Augsburg and continue his adjustment and see something from there. Hopefully, yeah. give him some more adversity to deal with before he goes back to Germany to deal with that some more. Mm-hmm. It Burhalter has some weird motivation tactics, but for the most part, they they seem to work at least when it comes to the second half. Anyway. I think the last thing to really touch on, because I think the defense really wasn't challenged in this game, so I don't think there's much to talk about there. Matt Turner had nothing really to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly hope he gets to start against Canada. I don't wish any ill will on Zach Steffen or to have any continuing back problems, but I think this is one where you need a shot stopper. Yep. And you you might need uh, Matt Turner, whether you say Zach Steffen, but... I think the last thing to really like look at for me is uh, that that midfield, right? Which has gotten to the point where it's kind of like picking itself with with Adams, uh, Musa, McKinney. They each had like their little moments, right? You know, I mentioned the Musa and McKinney both having kind of opportunities to score goals, but I I feel like there's still a little bit of where they that connection with up front, right? Like they're still kind of yeah, trying to figure it out. They've got everything together in their zone, but they're wondering, it's like, okay, who are we getting it forward to? And when that changes all the time, they have to change, okay, well, if we have Pepe up here, we have Ferreira, or, oh, we're getting and linking in Pulisic's more, it's, they have to account for too many things based upon who they're training with and to. And that's going to create more moments with them. Yeah, they're great. They're picking themselves fantastic they have that anchor getting everything from defense but what if and as you saw are they going to start taking it upon themselves to try to create more chances should they be doing that while this is sorted out 
You don't right. want those questions creeping in with only a couple of games left in just these windows. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the biggest one, their biggest challenge coming up uh, next here on Sunday, early in the afternoon against Canada. Would you say it's the biggest one of the games that are left? Like, this is the the one that could change everything, right? If if Canada or the U.S. win, not draw, because draw kind of just leaves everything as is, and then gives Mexico the opportunity to leapfrog. Mm-hmm. If one of these teams were to win, I mean, that that puts them in a pole position to truly be that leader, right? Because they'd have, I mean, the the U.S. is one point behind, so if they were to get three points, they'd be two points ahead, right? And then mm-hmm. Canada would have four points ahead. So then, you know, Canada would have to basically drop points the rest of the way, which I don't see them, which I don't see happening. No. Uh, so there's definitely stuff to play for. Uh, for both teams here, and, and no, no Alfonso Davies, uh, which is a huge blow for Canada there. No Estacio uh, either, who's about to, he just got loaned over to Porto. Uh, I mean, that those are two big losses, obviously, for Canada. But you still have uh, a very much informed Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren up front. You have uh, you still have very important pieces in that that midfield and defensive areas that you need to be careful of. Uh, plus, there you're playing. You know, in Canada as well, that's going to be a big deal. I, I, I hope that the you know where Berhalter has things queued up here and is ready to prepare it and and picks that right team because that's not a team you can go down one two nil to and then hope you get it back in the second half. Not at all. And to answer your question, yes, I think this is the biggest game remaining in qualifying. Not just for the reasons and implications for the table, but going for this, going forward, this is going to launch Canada, well, hopefully, if they get that big win in front of their home crowd, this could launch Canada and they're basically qualifying with not relative ease, but somewhat. And then they could look at themselves as a little bit more dangerous in the World Cup. The U.S., after everything, having that, are you still really in control of this? Mexico, El Tri could easily be out for blood knowing that big match that's left. It's There's a lot of things that should be playing in the U.S.'s mind going into this match against Canada because you don't come up with the result against this. Mexico's going to be sitting there licking the chops. Panama's going to be sitting there licking the chops. It's like you don't want to put yourself in a precarious situation now when you're so close to the finish line. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to have to be worried about uh, whether you wind up from first to fourth, regardless of whether you've got the mailman or any other, uh, you know, Oceania team that you have to deal with. You don't want to deal with that. You want to know that Mm-mm. you're going for the World Cup straight off, and then you can start preparing for that. And I think this is your time, right? You You kind of bungled it at home against Canada. You let them dominate you. You had moments where you really could have gone down. This is that moment of redemption. I feel like. Oh yeah, like between have next that next go around when when U.S. travels to Azteca, this is a time for you to show that you have learned and improved. Now again, Canada's going to be missing two extremely vital parts of their team, but you're always missing someone. It's how you respond. Yeah, yeah. And I, Canada's going to be looking at this, saying, "We know these guys are beatable." Even if we're not at 100%, look at what happened in the Nations League. Look at what happened the first time when we were in their house 
Now they're coming to our house. Exactly. Oh, they are going to be all out for it. And if I'm Burhalter, I'm thinking long and hard, long and hard. But uh, moving on to what Canada actually did against Honduras here as we go around CONCACAF. Uh, the one guy I have not mentioned, he was very important in this game and will probably be an important part of playing against the United States, Tejon Buchanan, the man that plays, or, well, at the time of last year, played for the New England Revolution. Uh, he scored really early on, 10th minute. Well, it's actually an own goal, but he created it. Con la bicicleta on the right side, and he crosses it in, forcing Honduras to actually have to try to deflect it, and he deflects it into his own goal. And that's your first goal very early on, setting the tempo for uh, Canada to f- to finally uh, get things on the board. And that really made it to where Honduras had to think about what they're doing the rest of the time. And it wasn't really into the second half that we kind of started to see Honduras wake up a little bit. But before Honduras could really uh, get things going, Jonathan David had a moment where he kind of just ate minor figures over his lunch, but he got a, a big save uh, in the in the process. Honduras did get some very interesting headers that forced uh, uh, Borja to make some big diving saves to his left or right. So um, from either from Elise or Kyoto, uh, making some big big moves there. But it was Jonathan David, of course. When you're an informed guy like this man, you're gonna try something crazy like what he did. In the 73rd minute, with the ball comes out, the goalkeeper came out too far. He chips it from a long distance over the goalkeeper and in for that second goal, which was absolutely, oh. absolutely splendid. Um, if you haven't seen it, you definitely need to go watch it. It's a fantastic goal for Jonathan David. And that, that pretty much set up everything for Canada to get their big win, a big win in Honduras that's not been since a you know, a long time. So they are exercising demons here. Um, and quite honestly, that's pretty much it for Honduras. They're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're done. Um, they're going to play a consolation game pretty much against El Salvador at this point. If El Salvador is able to win, they really could keep themselves in contention here. But we'll have to see how that plays out when we get to Sunday. Uh, but the other game of the other two games that happened on, on this evening Mexico against Jamaica, a first half that saw Mexico have quite a uh, quite a few chances uh, that Andre Blake had to save. Uh, Herrera or Ache Ache, Hector Herrera almost had a off a free kick. The ball kind of goes over. Andre Blake has to make a save. Andre Blake had to make another big save in the 35th minute, and actually in the second half, kind of almost towards the 50th minute. It, it was actually Jamaica that went went top, had the goal. Now keep in mind, with yeah. ten men, no less. Yes, with ten men, uh, they got the goal thanks to a Rujerio Funes Mori bringing the ball down in the wrong spot, kind of chesting it back towards the middle, and Junior Fleming is able to just let it go, hit hit one, and it goes through everyone and into the net. And until the eighty second minute. They had held on so well until the 82nd minute that Mexico was able to get the equalizer. And that kind of set things in motion to kind of let an entire release happen as uh, Henry Martin hits that cross. Alexis Vega hits the the header back in. Uh, Blake actually 
palms it with his hand away, but into the chest of Henny Martin, who came running in and the ball goes in the net to get the draw. And then basically 30 seconds later, so unfortunate for Jamaica to not even get the point here. 30 seconds later, Tecatito with some magic kind of going around. Uh, Charlie uh, Rodriguez with the header across to Alexis Vega, who puts it in. And then that's it. Mexico was able to uh, hold on from there to get the get the win that they uh, most needed. Uh, very much like the first game where they left it late uh, against Jamaica and the Azteca. They do it here again. And unfortunate, very unfortunate for Jamaica, who really could have used uh, those three points or at least a point to keep Mexico kind of on a lower end. Kind of upsetting, I guess, if you're a U.S. Men's National Team fan because you definitely could have been had a little bit of breathing room in that second spot, but the top three stay where they are. I mean, for something like that for Mexico, it's like another one of those where they breathe another sigh of relief. Yes, but if <laughs> I, but if I'm like. but if I'm the reggae boys, I still look at that and say, okay, we got a lead on them with ten men. We held on to that lead for a half an hour. We're still something of a dangerous team ourselves. Yeah, Let's with take a new that. coach mm-hmm. as well, and like you said, with ten men. Yeah, so that's another team. Yes, they are still a little bit of a ways back, but. As we saw with Los Ticos in Costa Rica, you still have anything that could happen. Anything. I mean, I'm starting to get to the thing where I don't know about anything, but it is starting to get into a clearer picture. And that's that's the thing. Uh, Jamaica now has to. They have. It is a, if there's not a, a situation here, it is a must win. Yep. A must win situation that you have against Panama. Uh, not only to keep Panama from gaining any more points, but also because you have to get those three points to get you at 10 to be able to have any kind of opportunity here. Um, Knowing but, that you also have Costa Rica coming in before the end of the window. Too. Exactly. Exactly. You have a game that can once again turn things into your favor. You have to get this against Panama. Of course, it's in Panama where Panama have been absolutely tremendous. In this entire qualifying window, but Panama also have Mexico going to the Azteca, which is not an easy place. Uh, I mean, it's 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 you're going into the Azteca against Mexico, who are going to want to get some points, knowing who Canada and the U.S. have. They know that they have the strongest matchup. It's not not going to be easy at all. This is all set up here for Jamaica to still have an opportunity. You're going to rue that you didn't get the point against Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have an opportunity to turn that around because Costa Rica at home against Panama is able to get the big, big win that they needed. And what do you know? It's from Mr. Old Reliable. <laughs> Mr. I've been here. Mr. I, I run at the snail's place, but I get it done. And by the stroke of a hand of the of the Panamanian uh, um, keeper, because that ball should had that ball had no right to go in. Let me tell you, <laughs> that ball was hit so soft it had no right to go in. It's just like one of those where, like, he was just all right. The ball came to me. I'm just gonna hit it. Oh, he just puts up a prayer, and the, the Honduran keeper hits it with his hand, and it, and it still goes in the net. Brian Ruiz, man, what a 
what a story career for for Costa Rica to, to get that goal uh, in the the 65th minute. But credit credit to Joel Campbell, who was again. It's night and day what this team is when Joe Campbell is there. I mean, and oh, Joe yeah. Campbell is the driving force of Costa Rica. Um, I mean, he's probably also like one of the youngest ones there of all the <laughs> the old ass stars that they keep bringing in. Constantly. Got the young so, legs in. You need yeah. those. <laughs> and the Cecil Ward has played again here uh, as well because there was an injury. So it's it's crazy how we keep having all the the old guys uh, still in here. But no, Joe Campbell was a force. Uh, in this game, and it looked like Panama was going to be this is this is going to be a game for them. They had some chances at the beginning that um, going in to about the thirtieth minute or so, it, it was really still a lot of Panama. Panama going in, getting some headers and everything, and then Campbell kind of towards the end uh, had a big opportunity that had to be saved. Um, so things kind of started to turn in the second half. Kaylor Navas had a big save uh, as well on his end. Um, off a free kick. It's just, I, I definitely think that, you know, you did what you had to do if you're close to You went mm-hmm. and beat one of the top teams and kind of brought them back down a little, back, back down a peg and put yourself within striking distance now of that four spot. And to sit there and you know that you're going to go into the Azteca and Play Mexico is not an easy task, but if there's one team that has done that and done that with some authority in the past, as far as like being able to go toe to toe with Mexico, it's Costa Rica. So you gave yourself some belief. Could you possibly steal a point or something from Mexico here? That's going to be one to watch for sure. I mean, all, all these games really outside of the Honduras, El Salvador, all three of them are going to be huge. Uh, for what happens, uh, for what, what, you know, you need, you know, you need to be doing when it comes to February 2nd. I mean, if Costa Rica can get any kind of points against Mexico to really give them a boost and put Pan- Panama back in play as far as having that fourth spot up for grabs again, that would be crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at the table right now and you look at where Costa Rica is, you would think to yourself, all right, goal difference of zero. Three wins, three losses, three draws. So you figure, for a lot of things, this screams average. But sometimes having that, oh, it's screaming average. Look at what you could potentially from there. Again, even that point, narrowing the gap. Easily, easily done. So it's one of those to where you really can't count Costa Rica out. And they've seen Mexico too. They're like, okay. They struggled in Jamaica. Yes, they're trying to rely on this home force, the mystique of the Azteca. No, that doesn't necessarily matter to us. We know what we can do. Let's go out there and do it again. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up getting that point. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly be pretty incredible if they could get. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm having to like zoom this in as much as I can for people that are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to wind up watching later on YouTube or whatever, but. Uh, right now, so this is the standings after we finished the, this last round of games. Now everybody has played, uh, nine games so far here. Uh, Canada, 19 points, US 18, Mexico 17, Panama, three points below because of the three points that they lost are in fourth now. A uh, little bit of cushion between the three teams above them. And now uh, not so much of a cushion with Costa Rica there. Again, 
Panama has an opportunity to go up to 17 and absolutely kill Jamaica's hopes um, if uh, to to make sure that they qualify. And Costa Rica, obviously, if, you know, Jamaica can perhaps get a big upset or steal a point or anything from Panama, Costa Rica with a win could leapfrog Panama. So um, still, like I said, these three games that we're going to see are going to be super interesting. Again, uh, let me see if I can scroll down here while you guys are looking at it. Uh, El Salvador is there at six. So they're not completely out, but they have to win. There is no if and buts. They cannot get a draw here against Honduras. They have to win, get those nine points, and start stringing some results together here, uh, or there is no chance None. Um, for, for Honduras here. But, yeah, so these are the remaining fixtures that we're going to be talking about for Sunday. We have, of course, the the game that we've been uh, talking about a bunch here. Canada and the U.S. is probably perhaps the biggest game. That one's going to go actually first at 3.05. And I hate it because I'm going to be at work. And then you have Mexico-Costa Rica at 6. Uh, this is Eastern time, by the way. And then Panama, Jamaica, basically at the same time. And then an hour later, I don't know why they picked this as the last game, Honduras and El Salvador uh, kicking off an, an hour later at 7.05. And then, you know, you look at the remaining fixtures here. Jamaica, Costa Rica is huge now, especially to mm-hmm. make you get some kind of points against Panama and what happens with Costa Rica, Mexico, USA, Honduras, Canada, El Salvador. You know what you're expecting those to go. Um, but obviously Canada is having to go down to El Salvador, not always the easiest place to play. And then this big game here at freaking 10 o'clock at night on February 2nd on a Wednesday. So, oh my God, Eric, it's another Nate Light. Primetime television, not to mention you've got a lot of people for these Sunday games that are going to be split screening. Could they have at least done some? One no, of this favorite? is the Wednesday, February 2nd. Right, well, with yeah. that, but I mean for Sunday, you've got a lot of fans in the U.S. that are going to be split screening because you got other football going on. So I'm like, for the yeah. Sunday schedule, could they not have flip-flopped? At least for Wednesday, yeah. you got a little bit of a cushion. Yes, Me- Mexico wanting that more prime time, 10 o'clock at night kickoff, fine. So that way they could get their time on T2. So I get that, but it's like, ah, Sunday's going to be a long day. Long day. Yes, certainly going to be a long one there. But all right. Yeah, that's what how things are looking as we go into that second round of fixtures there. Um, We will be back on Sunday um, as soon as that uh, El Salvador-Honduras game. So probably around somewhere around 9 or 10 o'clock at night Eastern time. We'll be back here uh, doing it live on the Twitch, on the Twitter, on the Facebook page, WTMNet on Facebook, WTMNet on the Twitch. Uh, go follow me at WTMSean on uh, Twitter, uh, Eric at Squid Sportshead. Uh, you can find us there, and we'll be able to um, to be doing our our thing here of, of you know, doing these it's, it's right there for you at the bottom, which I, I stupidly forgot to do uh, mm-hmm. earlier while we're doing this, but at least you're getting to see it. Um, we'll be on the lastwordsoccer.com as well. 
Uh, you can go check us out on WTNet.com. Of course, WTN Network, where we have everything. All of our shows that we got, video games, show, Eric's plethora of shows now between the kickoff, Life is Like a Game Show, Point of Viewer. Um, there's a video games trivia show that apparently is going to, that I did with Mark and a few of the other guys. You can guess who won there. Not me. And then uh, that'll show up, I think, on the 29th, which is, you know, the day after tomorrow, if you're, you're seeing this on the first day. And, you know, check out all everything the, the man over there, Mark Radlich, does. He does amazing things and does too many things. I'm going to be invading right. his territory in a few weeks as well. So yeah. as if you didn't get enough of me, now he's going to be dealing with it. Yeah, now you get more, uh, more, Eric. So that being said, uh, so the schedule right now is going to be look like this. We're going to do a basically the same kind of show we're doing right now. Again on Sunday and then again on Wednesday, but basically it'll be Thursday by the time you're listening to it because by the time we finish recording and everything and putting it up, it'll be, it'll be Thursday morning at some point. And then obviously for you guys as well, after that, we will be hitting it, uh, making sure we're regular Monday nights, Tuesday morning for you guys. Of we're going to get into these major league soccer team previews. We're going to be talking about what's been going on in the off season, all of that stuff that we've missed with CONCACAF Champions League, of course, coming back in uh, very soon as well. So we'll be talking about that. Of course, we'll be going back to the Manchester United moment and uh, other things that we usually talk about on the shows and of course what's been going on in the VSL. So we're going to have team previews every week. We'll have um, at least uh, seven teams that we'll be talking about. So this is from the, uh, I should, I should have had this, the, the calendar pulled up already. I'm, I'm not doing good with this right now. But, uh, so from the 7th of February. Oh man, I miscalculated here. Well, we'll have to do a show in the middle of the week, but from the 7th of February on every Monday, we'll have a show. There may be a Thursday or so in there that we'll also have a show, um, to have seven teams uh a show that we're going to be doing doing a preview for until we get to the start of the season which is uh february 26th that's the first start of the season and then of course we'll get into our, what we're going to do once the season starts which we'll talk about that more once we get to close to there but hopefully if you enjoy what you heard again remember we have a regular episode every week um once we get past this this uh this window of the US Men's national team games uh, let us know what you thought about the Men's national team uh, what you're dreading or thinking about heading into that game against Canada on Sunday. And until then, enjoy your weekend. Have fun. If you're going to watch those uh, NFL champ those uh, NFL championship games or you're going to watch the soccer, uh, enjoy whatever it is that you're going to do. Until then, for myself, for Eric, see you later, everybody. Peace. Later.